What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I am your host, as always, Jack Vita, and we are here for a special midweek MLB emergency podcast. We've had a flurry of moves over the last couple days. We're taping this on Wednesday, December 1st. Things are about to lock up, it looks like, in Major League Baseball. There's a lot going on between the collective bargaining agreement, the labor meetings between the players and the owners, and we're seeing a lot of movement before this lockout happens. We could have some more big free agents off the board before that. Seems like no one wants to get left behind. We're going to cover everything that's going on right now in the world of Major League Baseball and Guys, if you guys like what we you hear today on our show, make sure you all subscribe to the Jack Vita Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever it is that you are listening to podcasts. Make sure you subscribe and leave a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Write a few kind words. That'll help us get the show out to more people. If you guys like the show, share it with a friend and log on to my website, jackvita.com. We've got a lot of fun content right now. Things are crazy in the world of college football. We'll be talking college football, recapping the final championship week on Sunday. I'll have Andrew Stem and Chad Vothering here, and we will talk all things college football and the college football playoff as our college football playoff rankings and our final four and all our bowl games will be set this Sunday We'll break it all down. You're not going to want to miss that. We'll go live on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter. Make sure you guys are following along at Jack Vita Show, wherever it is. You know, I'm on social media. (laughs) Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Jack Vita Show, and then YouTube.com slash Jack Vita. We are brought to you today by our sponsor, Paramount Plus. If you want to get a free 30-day trial, go to jackvita.com slash paramount and that deal is running entirely through the month of december so you got a little bit of time to jump on that thank you very much to paramount plus make sure you use that link and whenever you do that our show is funded jackvia.com slash paramount all right let's get into everything i threw out all of our plugs all our sponsors and now let's talk Plenty of baseball. I got a great guy joining me now for the third time. We spoke on trade deadline day, and this feels like the trade deadline day of the winter. Ryan Packett, welcome back to the show, my man. Great to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me, Jack. Always, always a pleasure. I guess I'm big time now. It's my th- with my third appearance. I, I, <laughs> I don't know if there's like a a, a bar that you got to get over where they say you've made it or whatever, but uh. I mean, in the officiating world, 70% of people quit before the end of their third year. So the number three is kind of resonating with me. Like, if I can get past this, I think I'm in. But all right. We'll all right. Well, it's funny because I I made it past three years of podcasting and 200 episodes the other day. So this is episode 201. How about that? Oh, wow. All right. Awesome. It's a lot. It's a lot of time to spend editing podcasts. But... <laughs> Yeah, you don't even know if you've never done it, I'm sure. <laughs> We're pushing this thing forward, and hopefully people are getting behind us. Ryan's a huge Reds fan. He's a big baseball fan. As he mentioned, he does a lot of officiating basketball. He's an umpire, does a lot of baseball. Uh, great to have him here. Ryan, things are chaotic right now. 
They're, yeah. they're crazy. Uh, some teams opened up the uh, back of the trucks and money's just pouring out. <laughs> um, I'm looking definitely in the Dallas, Texas uh, area. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, a couple couple teams in, in New York, in New York, but uh, the different oh, yeah. different New York team than usual. Absolutely. Now we'll get into why that is in a second. But what is the latest on our labor negotiations? I know you've been tracking this. And do we need a deal? Is it today, tonight at midnight that the lockout begins? Or is that tomorrow at midnight? Well, the the CBA will end tonight at 11.59 Eastern time. But I just read like 30 minutes ago that they're done negotiating for today. So everything, unless something changes, which I doubt it will, I think they're done for today. So I think where we're at right now is where we're at. Yeah, so there's most likely going to be a lockout. We all saw this coming. I mean, I think people have been thinking this would probably happen for a couple of years now, going back to all the COVID negotiations and everything. That was just a, a sloppy kind of messy situation with COVID. But they were able to make it happen, give us a season in 2020. I'm very optimistic. We're going. I, I feel pretty confident. We can't say with any certainty. I feel we're going to have a season in 2022. I think we're going to get started on time. And really, that's all that matters in this case. Yeah, I think as long as they get it settled um, by the beginning of February, I think we're all right. Uh, if it starts pushing into spring training, then we kind of have a little bit of an issue. Um, some people would throw fuss up about not having the standard allotted amount of time for spring training to get ready and then get into pitcher's arms and whatnot. But I think we'll be okay as long as we get it done before. Before the 1st of February, for sure. Yes, and of course, we can't... Once this thing locks up, then there can't be any player movement, no trades, no free agent signings. We're at a standing point. And, I mean, that incentivizes this thing to get done. Players want to get some money in their pocket. Teams want to move forward and build for next year. So we both feel pretty good about how this is going to... That things are going... They're going to reach an agreement... Now, obviously, the players and the owners haven't had the greatest of relationships in this sport in particular compared to other sports. But, Ryan, I think what we're looking at right now, it sounds like what the players are vouching for and they want the most. I think, number one, we're going to have a universal DH. We're going to have a designated hitter in both leagues. And you and I are National League fans. We're, we were brought up with National League Baseball. I think it's a change, however, that you and I are more adaptive to than some of the other talks that we've heard about what could or could not be happening here. Yeah, I'm certainly not a fan of it, but it's almost like, okay, if I got to give something up, yeah, I'll sacrifice that. And when I look at the broader picture of other things they want to do, it's like, okay, well, that's the least damaging <laughs> to me. Um, it has its pros and cons. I don't think it's anything that'd be detrimental to the game. And I get why the players want it. Um, DHs usually get paid pretty well. I read it was like 9.2 million, I think, was the average for DHs last year. And that's because most DHs are veterans anyway. So the older players that are trying to stay in, they want it. It opens up 15 more spots in the National League. So overall, there's not much um, that why there's not a reason you can really think of why the players wouldn't want it outside of a couple pitchers that want to hit. 
I think it's the one in terms of all the things that I think there are probably two non-negotiables for the players. I think number one is this DH and number two is going to be service time because that's been a thing going back to Mike Trout and 10 years ago, his service time. And even though he came up at a certain time and it wasn't as spotlight, he wasn't as no, he wasn't a prospect that people had on their radars quite as much as a Chris Bryant or some of these other guys who've come up since. And there's been so much about service time manipulation. The idea of, okay, for, for instance, in the case of Chris Bryant, Chris Bryant was the best third baseman in the Cubs organization in 2015. And he would have started the season if they did not have this rule where, oh yeah, you wait, basically wait two weeks, you bring him up in two weeks, and then you get an extra year of control on Chris Bryant. I think what we're probably going to see is I think this is going to, and obviously there's probably, I might be oversimplifying a bit, but I think what the change is going to be in this case is instead of it being about how many years you have of control on a guy. So for instance, as it was before, you could bring up a guy at age 23 and you have him for control for five, six years up through age 29. Well, now I think what we're probably going to see, and I've heard uh, JP Morosi was talking about this earlier today, the players are fighting for, and I, I think, again, I think this is what we're going to end up seeing, some version where it's not based on how many years you spend in the league. It's based on your age. So at a certain age, let's say you hit 26 or 20, 25 or 26, and then your, your contract's up, the service time, that rookie contract's up, and that incentivizes teams to do the opposite and to bring these players up faster and fast track them so they get more years out of control by getting them up early yeah there's a lot um a lot there with what you just said um (laughs) you you can't as stupid and annoying as it is you can't fault the cubs they would have been idiots to not wait two weeks when you get an extra year out of them right uh that makes zero i mean like yeah i know you can lose the lose the pennant in april but I mean, you got to think long term there. It just—it would not make sense to waste that uh, a full year for two weeks. I mean, that's it, just simple math. Um, as far as the, I think the age they were talking about was twenty-eight and a half or twenty-nine. Okay. Yeah, I think. Which I've been—I've been really thinking about this, and I cannot. I and I—I'm trying to be a good critical thinker here, but I just can't. <laughs> I can't come up with a solution where. There's no, uh, no one's getting in trouble or no one's getting uh, slighted a little bit because when you do the age thing, it would be better than what we have now. But what about someone like Juan Soto or Bryce Harper who comes up when they're 19? So there has to be a this or that thing because then if the age is 28, so now what they get nine years, certain like, no, 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 they're not going to go for that. But so then you can be like, well, okay, let's do it this or that. Let's do it at 29 or six years. Well, you still have a problem because then someone like a Juan Soto or Bryce Harper, it, would, it wouldn't have mattered for Bryant because he was old enough, but someone like that, they'll still hold them back if they're 19, 20, 21 because they, they won't push anyone until they're about 23 because if not, you have that six years. 
So I, I, I don't, I, and I don't know how to solve that. Yeah. It's, there's going to need to be a bunch of legal terms. And in this situation, maybe it's something where you, it's performance based and basically like you're, it's kind of like you're a slave and you earn your freedom by your performance sooner. I don't know how it works. That's a bad comparison, by the way. I'm sure that the players are going to love being compared to that. <laughs> they're, they're, uh, oh man. <laughs> There's, uh, well, they, they were saying, um, basing arbitration salaries off of just stats. Yeah. And it's like, okay, what do you go off of? Do you go off of war, I guess? But then it's like, what stat isn't criticized? I mean, there's everyone has their favorite stat, and they're like, what do you exactly go by? Whatever you go by is going to benefit someone more than the other. Uh, people are going to be complaining about what it goes by. So the, I, I don't know. There's, someone's going to be left out. So there's going to be, I think we would, would you agree? I guess I should ask. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Do you, would you agree that there's going to be some type of reform regarding service time as a result of the CBA? And perhaps, I mean, this could be something that holds this thing up because it's an intricate thing that's going to take a while to figure out, but some kind of reform to it. It's not going to remain the same. Yeah. If this trickles into the spring, it will be because of that. If yeah. it, On the player side. On the player side. Yeah. I think that's even more than the DH just because it affects more than it affects everyone more so. I mean, doesn't not everyone's going to be a DH. Everyone that plays in the major leagues has to go through those earlier. So even if it obviously it's not going to affect those that are already in their veteran status, but it, everyone has gone through that. Yeah. The DH won't be a hard thing for them to agree upon in that regard. So. That's like, that's going to be the type of because what I don't know if this has actually been discussed or if it's just kind of outsiders, uh, outsiders making suggestions. But this idea of a salary floor has been tossed around where teams are going to have to spend a certain amount of money rather than uh, the it's basically the opposite of a salary ceiling. Um I don't think that's a great business for the league to be getting into because if you start saying, okay, we want a salary floor. And basically what that means is more players are going to teams are incentivized to spend more money. Therefore there's more money out there. However, then there's the give and take of, okay, well, if you want a floor, then maybe we can have a, a, a ceiling of how much teams can spend. And then you're, limiting the amount that players can max out on so i just don't really see that thing coming to fruition yeah and then the other problem with that is teams can get really savvy and strategic and mathematical and be like okay i don't want to get tied down to these players for so long the salary floor i still want to tank so what i'm going to do is i'm going to sign like these three veteran players to 15 million a year even though they're yeah. five million dollar players yeah. I, I just there's so many ways to get around it, and you know there's ways to get around almost everything uh, <laughs> in this world. So maybe I'm being too critical, or not critical, but I'm may, yeah. maybe I have to realize that there's going to be a flaw in whatever. I mean, I, I mean, what there's going to be a new negotiation in two or three years anyway, no matter how perfect it seems right now. So maybe I'm. Uh, it doesn't have to be perfect. I think the salary floor is a terrible idea because 
what you're doing in that situation is you're basically forcing teams to give out money to players that they don't actually believe in. And the players that they do believe in are probably going to be undervalued because they're spending money in these other places. This, the idea for teams like the Cubs, for instance, right now, the Cubs are, they're not going to compete in 2022 and they shouldn't be building a roster to compete in 2022. I mean, they should be setting themselves as best as they can for 2023, 2024. Like you, you have to do these rebuilds. You can't just look at, look at the teams. Uh, Cause I know this is one of the arguments that people like to say is, Oh, there's this big anti-competitiveness and tanking problem in baseball. I don't see it that way. I don't really see how baseball should be singled out compared to other sports where in the NBA, there is so much more value to losing games and there's a greater incentive for teams to tank because then they're going to have a franchise changing draft pick potentially. And in baseball, yeah, you get top 10 pick, but he might not make the big leagues. Like it's, it's a very different situation And so I think a lot of people say, well, this is a problem. And the way to solve it is to force teams to spend money. Spending money does not make teams look, make them better. Take a look at, I mean, for instance, I want to make an example right here. The Philadelphia Phillies were a team that started rebuilding. And then in the middle of it, they sort of just said, okay, we think we're close enough to competing. We're going to put the chips in and we're going to go all in. And as a result, they end up trading, you know, a high prospect in Sixto Sanchez. And now what, what ends up happening, Ryan, is the Phillies are the team that's gone the longest without a playoff appearance in the National League. So this idea of make teams spend money and they're going to be better is actually probably going to hinder their long-term aspirations of their rebuild plan. There's a method to the madness of why these teams are not right at this particular time yeah and some teams succeed in their uh, tanking and some fail and that's why some last longer than others and uh it, it is uh i i, I mean a problem the reds kind of like if i i can really relate to it because from like 2015 to 2018 like we retooled but didn't like go all in and that's and un, i mean you still got to pull it off in the end but the Braves went. The Braves and the Reds both had were the two worst records in 2015. They went way more all in on their tanking than we did, which is is okay. I mean, I, I'm I I don't even know if I could deal with a full just tank sell away whatever as a fan. So I'm not like overly mad about it, but I guess it would be worth it to win in the end. Um, well, I don't like so I don't like the term tank because I feel I feel that very very rarely is the team actively trying to lose games. I think the strategy is basically we're trying to build up through the farm system, and so as a result, we're probably going to lose a lot of games because what we're doing is we're selling all our players for the best uh, prospects that we can find. In baseball, for sure, I completely agree. Yeah, football, and basketball, there might be active losing. Oh, exactly. That's what I'm saying. In in football and in basketball, their tanking is a real thing. And I watched the Cubs in the second half. The Cubs didn't look like they were trying to win games. 
they were they looked like they were trying to get up the draft board. So that does happen. But I think most of the time it's just that they're rebuilding. And as a result of their rebuilding, they're not winning a lot of games. But it's not like, oh, we got to play this one lineup because it's so bad. Like, it's not like Major League with Rachel Phelps that they're just trying and to that work. Team. <laughs> <laughs> or that that didn't work. For her. Didn't work the way she wanted. Right, to, right, but... right, right, right. <laughs> Yeah. And if you don't believe uh, if you don't believe Jack, by the way, in terms of like uh, how it's a lot harder to hit in baseball and it's not a lot hard to hit on your lot. Uh, not the best uh, uh, analogy to, or to use the word hit. No, it works. Uh, no, not not. Um, you, it's a lot harder to connect on your draft picks uh, just because you have the number one pick doesn't mean you're going to nail it like other sports where it's pretty likely you're going to do pretty, pretty good. If you have yeah. a lottery pick and um, baseball, if you don't believe him, go look at the 2010 or 11 draft. Look at the first round. I bet you don't know half of those people. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. That was the Harper year too. I think. Oh, nine, maybe 10. Ah, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Hey Ryan, the fluttery noise is back. Yeah, I know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. You don't know. There's yeah. nothing like a shaky leg or anything like that's that. That's what I. That's what I kind of thought. So I'm. I'm trying to like. Maybe I need to not tense up. Instead, I need to go go the other way and just be loose and not think about it. And then I won't. Okay. It, it might be. That's what I was thinking though. That it was a shaky leg. Yeah. Could be. All right. So if you guys hear a little bit of a fluttering noise in the background. It's, it, this is live uh, podcasting here. It happens sometimes. Try to tune it out. Content conversation should be great. Anyway, and it's my right. fault, not Jack's. So <laughs> don't expect the same thing to happen when it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Ryan, we should take a look. And the reason why right now this this uh, market is exploding in terms of action and moves and we've had so many big moves that we'll get to in a second why is this happening right now you want to explain to the listeners why there's so much urgency uh because of this i i'm if i'm following you correctly uh you're just going because of the cba ending coming up and there might be a uh i guess on both sides you might be able to hit a bargain just because people panic is that kind of where you're going with it yeah, I think it's I think it's a couple of things. I think number one, the thing that we should be noticing is that there's urgency because one, these players want to they'd like to have this process done before the holidays. They'd like to just enjoy the holidays and have a nice time and not have to because it's different from other years. They're, you're basically putting a deadline on. Yeah, you're either going to sign a contract between now and midnight. Or you're not going to sign until potentially January, February, or God forbid, March. So you want to, one, the agents want to get these deals done. The players want to get these deals done. They don't want to go through this lockout period. And then, of course, we don't know what kind of cap thresholds or luxury tax thresholds they're going to be that could penalize teams. So the idea is... Let's get this stuff done now because you're not going to be able to do it for could be a month, could be a couple months. So I, I think the deadline thing is creating a little more urgency. But I also think the other thing that we're seeing 
is because of what we don't know about this next CBA. We don't know for certain, as everyone can say, that we think that the DH is coming. But I guess we don't know until pen goes to paper that that will be the case. We don't know what kind of the luxury tax threshold penalties, what kind of rules there could be there. So what we're seeing at this time is a bunch of smaller market teams and we're not seeing the Yankees. We're not seeing the Dodgers. We're not seeing the Cubs and the Cardinals and the Red Sox. A lot of the teams that are the traditional big spenders spending money right now. It's teams like the Texas Rangers, the Seattle Mariners. Now I guess the Mets have, they've been known to shell out contracts in the past. We've had the Blue Jays spending, Tigers spending, Angels, I guess, will always spend. But most of these teams are in a position where it's like, hey, you know what? We could sign. We Right now, Corey's, are the Yankees in on Corey Seager? Didn't look like they were. So Texas Rangers took advantage of that. Yeah, it's a weird time. It's uh, unprecedented. It's, uh, it's very new. And it just, it depends a lot on what type of player you are, if this benefits you. Um, some of the bigger, the mashers or just uh, the more pure hitters that aren't as slick on the defensive side. And I think, uh, you know, I've just kind of realizing that even more so now myself is that uh, Castellanos, Schwarber, uh, some other of the mashers haven't signed yet. And I think that's because teams are holding out on the DH thing especially if you're doing yeah. long-term deals with these guys, they're already not great defenders at 29, 28 when they're 35, 36, if you're doing long-term deals, but the guys that have signed like a Seager, a Simeon, a Baez, these are guys that are, uh, that can hold their own defensively or are elite defender defenders. So of course the, and I agree with you. I think that's a great point. The Texas Rangers are the biggest spenders thus far. They shelled out a 10-year contract to Corey Seager, seven years to Marcus Semien. There was another. Who else did they sign? They they had a couple other guys. Uh, John Gray. Yep, John four Gray. Four years and like, it was like 14 per year, like 58-ish, 56. That's a lot of money for a guy with a career. I know, look, I know the Coors effect and a lot of people think he could be like a good reclamation project. That seems like a lot for a potential reclamation project. A lot of people are talking about Coors Field, get him away from Coors, and you see an uptick in performance. But his career road ERA is above 4.65. So be interesting to see how that shakes That's out. That's the thing. Didn't he do better at Coors? Yeah, he did. Okay, so like let's let's not mince words here. It's not a, a Coors that like it's not a problem giving a Coors pitcher necessarily this money. It's a problem giving John Gray this money because John Gray's not that good, right? <laughs> like I'll, just, well, I'll be he, honest about it. John Gray, John Gray has the tools to be like Kevin Gossman or Robbie Ray or one of these types of guys. Although I actually don't really like the Robbie Ray comparison. A lot of people are comparing him to Robbie Ray. Robbie Robbie Ray has had a lot of success in his career. John Gray has not. And I think John Gray is the type of guy that, hey, yeah, change of scenery, new pitching coach. Maybe they can unlock something. But those types of players traditionally have been available at a much cheaper price. And that's the appeal to them. Yeah, it's way too much for some to for a not a project necessarily because he 
I mean, yeah, he's going to be – I think he's like a number three, which is great, but it's not $14 million a year great. Uh, I just I, – I don't, I don't like what Texas is doing. I don't think it's smart. It's weird. Uh, baseball is such a sport unlike the others where you, you need a deep team, and they're going to yeah. have holes everywhere. And I don't they, – they don't have any pitch. I mean, okay, John Gray, whatever. I, I don't, I'm not impressed by that anyway, but outside of him, like they, they don't really have anything. And I know they have a couple good pitching prospects. They have leaders kid. Um, they have another one that's in the top 100. Colby Allard was a guy that they were pretty high on. Yeah. Well, he, I think he flashes. was their best pitcher last year after obviously Kyle Gibson, but he's not with them anymore. Anyway. I mean, they dealt him at the deadline. Didn't they have that other guy, the, there's a Japanese guy on that team too. I can't remember. Well, his they name. got Fulton Nevich too. Yeah. Which I think I like, that's a good example of the project right there. Right. I would take my chances on him for a couple million a year for sure. Right. Yeah. A couple million, but yes. not 14 on a 14 AAV. Chris Young is the one who's calling the shots here, right? The former Padres pitcher. The like six eleven dude. Yeah. He's the okay. GM. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, it he's is. either the VP or the GM. I no, he's the head of. Wait, let's see. Yeah, he's the GM. He was hired a year ago. He's the GM. This feels like to me. I mean, look, Marcus Semyon, great player. I think Marcus Semyon's going to give him a lot over the next two or three years. And Corey Seager, another guy. When he's healthy, he's fantastic. I don't know if I want to sign a guy. 10 age, I mean, he's 27. I don't like 10 year contracts in general, but I especially don't like them to guys who have had some injury problems in the past. This feels like to me a repeat of the John Hart era of the Texas Rangers, where it's like, okay, Pudge Rodriguez, Alex Rodriguez, Juan Gonzalez, they spent a lot of money on, I mean, A Rod at the time got the richest contract in baseball history, the greatest, the biggest free agent signing that the sport has ever seen in terms of money. And A-Rod was great. He won MVP, but they didn't win games. So they had to dump that salary pretty quick. I, it feels like a repeat of what happened 20 years ago. Yeah, I don't get it. Um, it, what I see happening and I'm curious if you'll agree with me. I think with, what the big problem here is is they're going to have so many holes these first couple of years because they, I know they're trying to develop some players, especially on the pitching side, but even on the offensive side, this, and they got Cole Calhoun too, but uh, they're still going to have holes in other areas and they're not going to lose a hundred games again. Like, okay, they're going to be good. They're not going to be great. I think they're going to be like, I think right now, I don't even know if this makes them a 500 team yet. It's probably pretty close. But they're not a World Series contender, in my opinion, at all. And I think what's going to happen is once these other pieces get to the point where they're ready or they go out and fill these other pieces elsewhere, that's when we're going to be getting to the back half of the Simeon contract and the Seager contract. And then you're going to have that problem. It's not all going to click at the same time, which is why I don't think they're going to win. I mean, I think the move to get one of these guys makes sense. Like if, they, if it's yeah. just Seager, I think well done. I mean, you're looking at okay, we're not in the we're not in the window yet, but we're going to get there 
soon enough, hopefully. I did speak with Anthony Franz, who comes on this show a lot. He's the one who's hosted Sports Jeopardy. He's the official Sports Jeopardy host and also our official meteorologist of the Jack Vita show. And he's a lifelong Rangers fan, and he's he's pumped. He loves what they're doing here. He thinks there's a lot of good talent on the way. I just don't think the talent's that close for you to go and to sign Semyon, Seager, John Gray. And I mean, I don't think the Rangers are done. I think they're going to make a big play here for Clayton Kershaw. They're not done. They're trying to get a Reds pitcher today. I, I And it might happen by the end of the night. Via trade. Yeah. So they're not um, done. It feels this feels to me like 2017, 2018 Philadelphia Phillies, where it's like we're gonna we're not going to stay the course with this thing. We're gonna cause it's like you could do what the Padres did, where the Padres were like, okay, we'll add Machado one year, we'll add Hosmer another year. And that not to say that that Hosmer signing is really going the way they thought it would, but the idea was like all right, well, we'll, we have a chance to acquire a couple assets that are going to help us down the road when this team does get here. We didn't see the Padres just going crazy. Padres did eventually get really aggressive, but at that point, they had already made a playoff series, and I guess we'll see how it plays out for them over the next couple of years. But what I think we're seeing is it's like these teams have a difficult time of making just the one move. You know, it's like they get crazy. They get addicted. They like the they like the rush of it, like sports betting. And they want to just keep going after a bunch of guys. Like the Rangers should are should be careful. Uh, they don't want to overplay their hand right now. Yeah, and I I, I totally get why Rangers fans are thrilled. Uh, I would be too if I was a Rangers fan. And I'm I, it's not the worst thing that's ever happened. What no. they're doing. No, I just don't think it's a winning uh, strategy. Or I don't think it's a champion strategy. Yeah. Uh, a, they're going to win games. They're going to make yeah. the playoffs. Maybe not this year, but they're going to make some playoffs. And I, I know they've been bad for a while, and I get it. And, uh, yeah, you're going to be happy when you make signings like that. But I, I like the Simeon deal much more than the Seager deal. The injury scares me more, and I just – Yeah. I guess I can't say the seven years to ten year thing because I think Simeon's about – Probably He's 31. So both their deals go through age 38 or okay. 37, 38. Seegers is to 37. Semyon's is to 38. I mean, how many of these long deals have we seen really work? Very, very few. I think the best example of one actually working would be Max Scherzer, but yeah. that's one of the greatest pitchers that's ever touched baseball mound. Yeah. And that was only seven years. I mean, I know seven years is a lot, but it's not 10. Yeah. Um, I mean, like the Pujols one was terrible. Uh, I mean, not to, I don't want to sound like a homer. I think the Votto one has, I think Votto has, yeah, that's a good one. Val, I think he's played to the 225 yeah. million over 10 years that they gave him. I agree. I do think it's probably hindered the Reds in some ways in terms of us being able to put other pieces around him. But as far as him being playing worth that, he's done that. So I like, Speaking of the Rangers and this AL West, I like what one of their division rivals, the Seattle Mariners, are doing right here. They go out, they pick up Robbie Ray, add a starter to the mix. They won around 90 games this past year. I can't remember the exact total. 
they were right there for the wild card. Ended up missing by a game or two games, depending on how things shook out the final weekend of the season. I really think that the Mariners, I like what they're doing because their core is a lot closer to competing. I mean, they competed, they competed this past year. They've got a, a great young core, a lot of big time prospects coming up who haven't even come up yet. They're not far off. I mean, Julio Rodriguez is a guy that we're going to see this year. And I mean, up to this point, the Mariners haven't broken the bank. They could be. I saw that they could be a team that's in on Chris Bryant or maybe a guy. They Maybe they're in on Correa, but maybe there's more to come with this team. But I think they're a lot closer to competing than the Rangers are. And I like what they're doing. Well, they got a 30 game head start <laughs> from last year. No, the Mariners are here to stay. They'll be good for a while, for sure. Even if they don't make any more free agent splashes. Yeah, they don't have to. Yeah, they could do it next year, too. Depending on what's out there in that class. Uh, Let's see. We've got... I'm looking at... I have a a question for you. Something that's puzzled me. What's with the swap in Toronto for Gosman for Gray? Gosman got 110 over 5. Gray... Gray, sorry, Ray. Gosman for Ray. Gosman got 110 over 5 uh, from the Blue Jays. Ray got 115 over 5 after Gosman signed that. Why Why would Toronto make this? I, I just, I, unless R- Robbie Ray just didn't want to be there for whatever reason, I, I don't get it. And I, I think the Ray deal is way better than the Gosman deal anyway. But it just it confuses me because they gave almost the same exact deal to Gosman that Ray got. I, I, I don't know if they just mis, miscommunicated or something, but it doesn't make sense to me. So if you were asking me which deal would I rather have, I would certainly rather have the Robbie Ray deal. I would say two things could be going on here. I think one, I know like if you want to make talk about Toronto in terms of another sport, Kawhi Leonard apparently was miserable and didn't want to live in Toronto. And Toronto's long been a hard place to get players to come to. And especially right now, I mean, they're even harder on the COVID lockdowns than the United States are in, I mean, I guess I should say than some parts of the United States. It's cold up there. I, I don't think Toronto's for everybody. So I could see Robbie Ray saying, well, I'd rather live in Seattle than Toronto. That's number one from the Blue Jays end of things. Who knows? Maybe there's some kind of friction between him and uh, there's a person. I'm not to say that there's a personality thing. Maybe they weren't always seeing eye to eye. Um, And maybe they see some type of thing up close that we don't see in terms of why they think he could decline. Those would be my only guesses, I guess. I don't have any sources on this. But if I have a choice between these two contracts for my team, regardless of who my team is that I'm assembling a team, I would prefer the Robbie Ray contract. Yeah, I think that the uh, Robbie Ray contract right now is incredibly risky. So I get why they would pass. But I think the Gosman deal is even more risky. Yeah. I think they're both very risky. Um, I think the Robbie Ray deal can really end up being a, a, a great deal, but it's high risk, high reward. 
I think the Gosman deal is more like high risk, like medium reward. Uh, they're both two guys that have just kind of put it together very recently. Um, Ray's always had the stuff more so than Gosman. His was more control. I mean, Robbie Ray was pretty bad in the shortened. I know it was a shortened season, but he had like a seven year Ray. Yeah, I don't. I don't like to pull too much from the twenty twenty or the twenty twenty season. There's just so much that was just off about that year. You're not having any fans and you're only playing your own division and then the corresponding American league or national league division. So I'm willing to give him a pass for that. I do think the Robbie Ray contract could be a great one. I think Gossman could end up being very good for the blue Jays though, too. I know that they got a lot out of Steven Matz. They got a lot out of, Robbie Ray and those were guys who were undervalued at the time. Maybe they're paying Gossman a little more, but I guess we don't know what this market was dictating. I guess if if these teams are willing to give as much money to Eduardo Rodriguez and John Gray, then I guess that that's what Gossman costs you in this current climate. So I don't know. I guess we'll see how it plays out. I gotta be honest with you. I uh, I really liked what the Blue Jays have done recently, like in the last couple of years. I really hate this Gosman deal. I don't think it's gonna go well. I could see in the third year of this deal, they're paying a twenty-two million dollar for someone to come out of the bullpen. Yikes! Yeah, that's I, a good I just, point. I don't. He he didn't um, do nearly as well in the second half this year. He was in a pitcher's ballpark. Great defensive team behind him, too. Yeah, I think he can be an elite reliever. I just don't see his stuff working long-term starting-wise. He just doesn't have – he has a fastball, a a great fastball and a great splitter. Okay, slider. That's about it. And I I don't know. I just don't think – I don't see this working well long-term for him at all. I I don't don't like it. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, have the Blue Jays done anything else up to this point other than Lou, Semyon, and Robbie Ray? I don't think so. I don't think so. How are they going to replace Semyon's production? I mean, that was an MVP, top three MVP type guy. The last two out of the last three years, 2020, again, that he didn't have a good 2020, which brought down his value last year, and they were able to get him on one year. He hit 45 home runs as a second baseman and was fantastic for them. What do they do? I mean, let's go Moneyball. There's no replacing him. (laughs) But I think, I guess they're going to go to Biggio, right? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, he plays second. Yeah. I mean, are they going to try to get a bat out there that's on the market, do you think? I would work, I would focus more on pitching. I think even without Simeon, I think their offense is good enough. Um, I like the be, Barrios extension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do like I, I like that too. He's been consistently uh, solid. I'd say. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That division's so tough, though. I think they almost have to be thinking somewhat long term. Ryan, am I wrong for still not really taking the Mets overly seriously? I mean, <laughs> Steve Cohen is just putting it all out there on Twitter. And I don't think that's this has been a team that's had that's been dysfunctional 
you're in the New York media market. I don't think it's smart to be putting it out there on Twitter. He's going out. He's spending big money. He they signed Scherzer to this is the richest AAV contract ever. It's three years, 140 million. So you're seeing like 43.3 annually for a guy who's age 37 now. I love Scherzer and I, I like some of these guys that they picked up. They picked up Starling Marte. They got him on a four-year deal. They picked up Marcana. I don't know if they've done anything else as, oh, Eduardo Escobar was the other one. So individually, I like those pieces, but it just feels like every year it's the same story with the New York Mets. No matter if they're get, picking up Lindor or whomever it is, Jose Reyes, it's the same Mets. Yeah, I, I get that. I, I think people, uh, I don't think you are, but I think some people are just too much like metting that, like, oh, it's just the Mets, you know. <laughs> I actually like the Scherzer deal. It's incredibly risky. Like, let's not, I mean, I, that well, doesn't it is only sad. a three year deal, so it's right. over quick. I'd much rather give out a front loaded deal like that than have a deal that you're paying for seven years. Even if, even in, I'm not, I, I know it's, there's the age thing and all of that, but in general, I would rather say, okay, here's depends on the player, but in general, I'd rather I would if I could give Corey Seager this much money for three years rather than the ten years, I would totally do it. Over Scherzer? No, I just meant like if, oh, okay. If I'm signing Corey Seager and I have the option to give him the Seager or the Scherzer contract versus the contract that he got. Uh, I'm going to say, give me, you know, you can have your 45, 50 million each year for three years. And then if it doesn't work, I, nothing, you know, it's a, it's a short term deal. That's the and one. There's thing a, about yeah. It. And there's a reason why Seeger wouldn't accept that. And that's because right. of the, the proven decline of most people. Um, I, I, I just like the Scherzer deal because I think the formula for the Mets, I don't know if this is what they think their formula is. Uh, I think Cohen's being an idiot online <laughs> and like, even, even if like, let's, we don't know what happened between him and Matt's or whatever, but even if they had this agreement and like, he is actually heard about this, like don't come out publicly like that. Like have the self-awareness to know that when you do something like that, you can't win. You're going to look, even if he is right, let's say he is right. Is he that? Does he lack self awareness that much to think that people would actually side with him? Or the majority of people? He's a New Yorker. It's a different (laughs) culture over there. And you can be like, well, he doesn't care. Well, if he doesn't care, then there's no need to say it in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I don't know. That's just. Well, it'll be stupid. Be real interesting to see what happens with Marcus Stroman because I think he's also. Well, he's not going to the Mets. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah he also uses twitter very foolishly yeah. and so if and just immaturely and so if and honestly that would be a reservation for me at this point like you're a 30 year old man <laughs> and the way that he uses twitter is just it's just immature it's foolish it's like he's it's like he's stirring the pot he's called out i know he, there have been times where he's throwing the Mets under the bus, either on Twitter or to the media. That's a red flag number one for me. And then, like, he's just not, he's good. He's not Max Scherzer good, 
So that would bring down his price value to me if I'm another team that's potentially signing him. Yeah, I want him to go to St. Louis so bad. Just because <laughs> it yeah, I want St. Louis to have people that are unlikable. And they don't have that right now, and it bothers me. Like, I want Gold's, you want them to have someone that'll just like tank their clubhouse culture. I just want the, the, them to have someone that I can hate, <laughs> have fun hating. <laughs> like right now, they have they're too, uh, like okay. I, I mean, I Molina and Wainwright. I know I like they're they're guys, but they're out the door soon. They're real guys that are like gonna be going for the next few years for sure. Are Goldschmidt and Arenado. And who has a bad thing to say about those right. guys? Yeah. I even want to root for them. And yeah. I hate it. it it's <laughs> like, I want to root for Tyler O'Neill. Like, I want to, I like these guys. So, like, get a Strowman in there. Get someone I can <laughs> hate. Like, that I can point to that guy and be like, yeah, that's why I don't like you guys. <laughs> um, and it was also why, I, and I, speaking of idiots, I was really hoping the Reds would non-tender Amir Garrett, and we didn't. <laughs> I can't stand him. He makes us look. He makes us. I mean, it was one thing when he actually pitched good and acts like an idiot. Like, if you're gonna act like an idiot, at least be good. <laughs> he was nine, and he wasn't good last year. So, speaking of some of that type of stuff, exchanges between players and fans, and especially in New York, I really liked what the Javier Baez situation turned into in New York. And it was like, it started, it started bad, but it ended up, it seemed like he won the fans over eventually. And like, I think he was kind of him doing the thumbs down thing was him kind of having fun with them and being like, look, I'm a thick skin guy too. I didn't think it was like him being sensitive. I thought it was more like, all right, you want, you want to go after me? I'll go after you. I'm not going to be here very long. And I'm going to have a little fun with this. I think it was foolish for guys like Lindor who just signed a 10 year deal to be involved in that. I liked how that situation played out for Baez and he ended up drawing walks and getting on base more than he had ever had. He had ever done really in his whole career. Now it was only for two months. Javi goes over to the Tigers. I think it was like six years, 140 million. What do you think about this pickup? You nailed, the Tigers? It. You nailed it. Yeah, it was six years, 140. Uh, I didn't think about it from that perspective that he's going to be gone, that he's like, oh, I'm going to be gone. I don't care. Uh, by the way, like fans that boo their players, like this is stupid. It irritates me so much. It's just, I don't know. I, I feel like not everyone, but for the most part, like those players are out there giving it their all. And like, I don't know. I mean, like they owe the fans some because I mean, we like help pay their salaries, I guess, in terms of like ticket sales and merchandise and whatnot but i mean they don't owe us their lives or anything and like they're free to do what they want and uh i, I just i don't like that I've, I've never booed a player that uh was on a team of mine i can't really think i can't really assume that i ever did i ever will uh maybe like if trevor bauer came back i'd probably boo him but that's like that. That's kind of where I'm going. With yeah, that. no, there yeah. are reasons that two boo players. I mean, there's a reason why Ryan Braun got booed all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he earned that. He yeah. earned it. There's a difference between like, <laughs> okay, this guy is a good guy and he's not playing well. Like booing him, especially in a sport like baseball. I can get it. Maybe in a sport like football or basketball, where it's an action sport, and maybe that. Uh, fuels them in some way, but baseball is 
so much slower paced. It's better to, I mean, I took some coaching classes in college and like coaching approaches and coaching uh, philosophy and psychology. And one of the things was basically this idea of like, yeah, if you're a baseball manager versus a coach for a football team, like it's going to be more effective to yell at your team. If you're a football coach versus a baseball coach, and in baseball, it's a little more like you want to have more of a calming presence. Now, obviously, there's a time to do the more boisterous stuff. But for the most part, I mean, so anyway, nevertheless, like on that topic of booing, uh, we got we only have like 20 minutes here, so we should keep moving. But what do you think about this Javi pickup for the Tigers? Eh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it can go either way. Yeah, I agree. I don't want to say it's terrible. I'm not partial to the uh, low walk rate. I don't love the high strikeouts. I can deal with that if you have a good walk rate. But his... I don't know. I I mean, sometimes I feel like I could strike the guy out. And I know <laughs> I can't. But geez, it's like if you put that ball four... Just throw a slider four feet off the plate, he's swinging. Yeah, it became I, pretty clear that he if he's not going to swing, no reason to throw him a strike. His yeah. his decline was inevitable. I've been writing about it for a few years, and I wrote a piece earlier that said the Cubs should let him go and move on. I will say that I do think that a change of scenery, one, I mean, we already saw it in New York. It looked like it benefited him in the short term. I think he's a player that can really benefit from a change of scenery reinventing himself in a new place so i mean we'll see we'll see but i don't think it's i don't know i i i would be hesitant to give him that much money but at the same time you know a lot of people were upset with the cubs that they didn't lock this guy up that the dollar amount that was being thrown around when they're talking extensions prior to covid 2020 that dollar value was much higher than the dollar value that he ended up taking. Mm-hmm. It was in 200 millions, wasn't it? I think I was seeing closer to 180. I don't know <laughs> if it got up to 200, but it was a lot. And I don't think Javi Baez is worth that much money. So, hey, I mean, six years, it's not like, you know, you're looking, you're paying him through age 35. It's not quite like a, a seven or eight year deal. So it's not, if even if it doesn't, turn out it might not be horrible but i don't know i mean i i i think he's a name he's a brand and i think basically what they're trying to do is show the the detroit fans and send a message to the team we're competing for a division title in 2022 which they can do they have a lot of good young talent that rotation should be very special yeah i i mean they definitely can finish second (laughs) and i the I can't believe the White Sox only won ninety two games or whatever in that division. They're way well. Too they good did. Though. They were a very banged up, injured team. I know, but defense. still, that division's so bad. You're playing half your games <laughs> really against bad. them. Um, but yeah, I I would have been mad if my if a team I was no matter who I'd been mad if we gave Javi Baez six years one forty. But yeah. I don't hate it because you know you're going to get elite defense at a prime at the most. The I'm not as month. high. Uh, I wouldn't say elite. I, uh, I'm not as high on his okay. defense. I think it's it's so flashy, and he can do stuff that 
very few other guys do, but there's just a lot of inconsistency. So that's again, where I think he could potentially reinvent himself in a new situation. And maybe he becomes a little more consistent defensively, but there's so many, I mean, he had so many errors last year. He had like 24 errors. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, I don't, I don't know how his bat plays in that ballpark. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, if you're Detroit, you really got to kind of crunch the numbers on the home runs that they've, that your um, people you're signing have hit. Like, are they, are they down the lines or are they, I mean, if they're like right center and left center hitters, I mean, that fence is like 435 and the, like, um, not dead center. It's like 415, but then it kind of goes out and it's, um, Oh, free agent shortstop getting much interest, but comfortable waiting until lockout is over. That's, uh, for Correa. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and so, then, uh, yeah, what do you, you think, said about do you think we'll see anything with a Correa move here? We got- I don't think we're going to see any more big ones. I think we might see a little more like Melanson signed. Like that's a very, I mean, the top reliever. Um, what you said about the coaching thing is entirely correct too. Um, it's okay. Definitely get it. You got to fire your team up a little bit in baseball, but the 13 new team that I am um, assistant coach for one of the kids is like, I wish you coached, coached me in basketball too. And I'm like, Oh no, you don't. <laughs> I'm like, I wouldn't be anything like I am here. Not at all. <laughs> How about Noah Syndergaard to the angels? I, I mean, it's, it's only one year. It's $23 million. It kind of feels like another vintage angels move of like, you're, you're getting a name and Syndergaard. I think another one who age 29 could potentially have a lot of years ahead of him needs to stay healthy, but nevertheless, I mean, I just don't think that picking up Noah Syndergaard for one year. And I mean, I guess we'll see what else the angels do. Just don't think it's going to turn the angels into a contender. It's uh, not, that move, no. Uh, it's a very angels thing to do, like you said. I uh, I don't hate the deal. If you got the money to spend, it's not I mean, bad. He can definitely end up being worth that. You can definitely overpay on one year deals and be fine. Yeah, so I don't hate it. Yeah, no, I think it's fine. I just don't. Yeah, I guess I don't think it's moving the needle for them. <laughs> Jose Quintana deal last year was horrible. Yeah. I mean, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> they re-signed Iglesias. Rysel Iglesias. Yeah, I like that. Is yeah, beast. I do too. Yeah, uh, you probably missed even, them on the Braves or the Reds. Of, sorry, <laughs> the Bra- the Braves liked hitting off him in the playoffs in 2020. <laughs> uh, we didn't. I didn't even think about Scherzer and Degrom in the playoffs, though. Oh man, well it, they're gonna have to get to the playoffs first. I think that's the formula for the Mets. I think you got to just put something that can get you to the playoffs, and it's okay to spend that money because if those two guys are healthy for the postseason, they're gonna start probably. 50% to maybe 55% of your postseason games. That's scary. Who's number <laughs> three though? Um, on them now, uh, how you're putting me on the spot. Cause I mean, that's what, that was part of the problem is like DeGrom was keeping that team competitive, even in games that they were losing. And then when DeGrom got hurt, they had a lot of injuries in the first half. The team got healthy and then they lose to Grom and we saw what happened in the second half of the season. I think that it was just so weird. Cause we were watching like, is Taiwan Walker still there? Like Taiwan Walker probably be your number three. 
And there were a lot of guys. There was like that uh, David something or another. I can't remember his name. They had, they had a bunch of guys that they were throwing in there, and it wasn't a great rotation past. I mean, they had Str- Strowman and Walker were really good in the first half of last year. And Strowman had a good year, no doubt about it. Yeah, he had a very good year. I don't know what they're coming up with as far as pitching prospects. Cohen's go. probably going to sign another guy. That'd be my. Oh, uh, I, I think guess. for sure. Yeah. They need, I mean, to get through. Yeah, I don't know if they're a playoff team yet. In that division? I don't think so. And some teams, um, I read, like, teams that are kind of fringe competitors, like, uh, I mean, I I read it, obviously, because I'm following the Reds, like, really uh, a lot, especially today. A team that, whether it's a 14-team or a 10-team playoff, could be the difference between the Reds want to spend or not, you know, because we're kind of fringe middle of the road team right now that lowers to 14 teams that could really uh get the barrel rolling in that direction for us I, I don't know but in that um yeah i mean i think that could be a big difference for the mets too maybe but yeah they're I, they're not they're not good enough yet to be like okay we're definitely in the playoffs one thing that was interesting was the cubs went out and they signed Clint Frazier and they, for whatever reason, decided to extend a, a quality or they tendered Ian Happ. When I saw that they were getting Clint Frazier, I thought, okay, they're going to let Ian Happ go. Cause that's basically two of, it's not the exact same player, but it's two guys who are awful defensively. I mean, Ian Happ is probably the worst defensive guy I've ever seen. Try to play center field in my life. And they finally figured You're not out. You're that old. You're not that old. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. But I guess I should say over the past five years, over the past five years, and they finally figured out this past year, Ian Happ's not a center fielder. He might not even be a left fielder. Uh, this is like a DH, and I don't think he swings the bat well enough. I really thought that they were going to move on past him. Maybe they think they can trade him. I guess they're going to hang on to him. We'll see. Now you bring in Clint Frazier. Now Clint Frazier might be a solid buy low. See if there's something there. DH is probably going to come to the National League. But that's what's going on in Chicago over here, and the fans are pumped about it. You should be happy about the Frazier, or you, the Chicago fans should be uh, happy about the um, Frazier deal for sure. I know a lot of teams wanted him, and uh, I don't know how much you're paying him exactly. I think it's a couple, two or three million. Not much. That's a solid buy low. Definitely worth it. Especially, uh, you're definitely taking chances on guys coming out of New York. I mean, they can really, uh, you, you, especially someone like him, you don't know how he's performed outside of New York. It, it could really, uh, it, it's it's textbook low risk, high reward with, it, with that deal. Yeah, Ryan, the other one I think is really interesting. We haven't touched on, I'd say the, big, the other biggest move is Byron Buxton signing an extension? The Twins giving him seven years, a hundred million. On average, how many games do you think Byron Buxton has played over the last? I mean, he's only played five full seasons, so we're not counting COVID year. We're not counting the year he got brought up in the middle of the season. Average amount of games. How many do you think it's? How many would you? Do guess? you know the answer to this? Yes, I calculated it earlier. I'll go sixty-seven. So it's a little more than that. I think it's like 79 or 80. Okay. So basically what we're saying here 
with Byron Buxton is I, I know a lot of people love him and I like him when he's healthy, but part of the job is being healthy. I mean, that's, that's part of what makes you a good player is showing up to work consistently. You're looking at a guy who plays half the season on average. He's only had one year where he played, I think it was like 140 games. That was, uh, I think it was 2017. I want to say, he looked great this past year when he was healthy. He played 60 games. So basically what you're paying for right now is like seven years, a hundred million for a guy who's playing half a season. So that's basically seven years, 200 million for a guy who is healthy. That's what it translates to. You know, Jack, uh, I think he just might be good enough to be worth that. And uh, that's why I like the deal, because I think if he plays at the rate, if he plays half the season every year, the next seven years, and of course, it's not going to be half the season yet. Like there might be a close to a full season in there of missing a whole season, you know, but I think that uh, it's not a terrible deal. If that's the case, it's not great. No, it's but not I think terrible. He'll play good enough to where it's not like killing them uh, financially. Yeah, it's not and, a lot. And then it's if he ends up being healthy, I think. I mean, it's obvious. I mean, if he ends up being healthy and playing like close to what he's played, like it's going to be a a bargain. So uh, I don't hate it. I mean, that's an if, though. I just don't think I. I think what I would have done, and I guess I could still do it. I would trade Byron Buxton. I would have traded him last year at the deadline. I mean, last year I, again. We're looking at an elite outfielder defensively, but for his seven-year career, you're looking at a career 248 hitter. He's, let's see, 299 OBP for his career. And gold glove defense, defense, yeah. So, I don't know. I don't think... I mean, he had a great first half last year before he got hurt, but... That was a 60 game season that he basically played a 60 game season. This past. he played 61 games. It was the best we had ever seen of that. I hope for his own, I hope for his own sake that this is what Byron Buxton becomes. He stays healthy. He plays up to what he did last year and he ends up being great. Like he, like he looked when he was the number two pick of the 2012 draft, but I'm just color me skeptical, I guess. Yeah. And I, I get why you should be. But at the same time, I think that uh, if you're Minnesota, it's something you have to do. It's a risk you have to take. That's you're not. A, That's a fair you're point. You're not really attracting massive free agent. I mean, they might be at the yeah. Bottom. Not that I mean, I have nothing against the Minnesota Twins. I'd I'd love to see them succeed, but uh, they're probably a pretty low on the <laughs> destination. What do you think of Stephen Matz to the Cardinals? Four year deal. It's like four years, forty million or something like that. Ah, uh, they need it left-handed pitching. Uh, they really have none outside of uh, Matthew Libator, who's a top prospect that's coming up. Um, I mean, they they got uh, <laughs> the deals that we all made fun of. The J.A. Happ and uh, John Lester. Wow, that's really <laughs> going to do something for them. Hey, that without that, they might not have made the playoffs. So, yeah, but those guys aren't coming back, and they need they need a lefty. So uh, if Matt stays healthy. Which seems to be the th- reoccurring theme here. If we like these deals, if they stay healthy, same thing with Verlander, the only other big one we really <laughs> talked about. If healthy, uh, can't believe he's going back to Houston after like being MIA all year. But 
Hey, how about good for Kendall Graveman? He gets a nice paycheck from the White Sox. Really put it all together last year as a re- reliever. Talk about reinventing oneself. He had been a struggle. He had struggled quite a bit as a starter in his career. Saw an uptick in his velocity pitching out of the bullpen last year for the Astros and the Mariners. It'll be interesting to see this White Sox bullpen. What do you do with Kimbrel? Are you gonna? He's gone. It- he has to be going, right? Yeah, I would think so. And I know this is stupid, and I've always I've thought this for so long, and I've just finally given up. <laughs> Craig Kimbrell, like a guy that good, or anyone, like why does it matter if it's the eighth inning? If anything, he should be better in the eighth inning. Just not going to be the case with him. It's not going to happen. He has to pitch the ninth inning. It just is what it is. It's stupid, but it is what it is. It goes to show that as much as you want to do a money ball approach where or a rotisserie style fake baseball league or whatever you want to, <laughs> whatever it is, there's a human element to it. And some guys, as much as you want to take an, a, an advanced analytical approach, they are not robots. They're not just, an, it's not an equation. It's not something you can plug in on a computer. It's just, it is what it is. There's a human element to it. I think he's a good example of that. Mm-hmm. Yep. (laughs) All right, Ryan, uh, we're wrapping up here. Anything else that you want to touch on that? I mean, the Marlins have made some moves. I'll let you lead the conversation here. The last few minutes. The the Marlins have, and I think the Marlins um, are in a position to be very, uh, very good for a long time. Actually. I think they're just a, you could kind of compare them to the Mariners. They're about two years behind though. Yeah. Um, They got the pitching. They just, they can get some bats there. I think they'll, be good. I think obviously, like obviously, El Garcia for four years, fifty-three million is a very good deal. Um, I think that's going to be a bargain, honestly. Um, and then they just got went Joey Wendell today. I think that's a great deal too. But then again, it was with Tampa, so I'm sure somehow, some way, it'll be <laughs> phenomenal for Tampa. Um, I came into the oh, and then Mark Mark Canna to the Mets. That's a good one too. That's a good signing for the Mets. I think. Yeah, uh-huh. he's a good player. And Marte. Marte, yep. Mentioned that a little earlier. I can't Marlins... like, I, the biggest reason why I thought it'd be great to do this today was because of non-tender deadline yesterday. And I have a whole list here of everyone who got uh non-tendered. Okay. And it's pretty boring. <laughs> Let me tell <laughs> Let's you. Let's hear it. Uh the AL, like literally nothing happened. Um Tim LeCastro got non-tendered, even though he just got picked up by the Red Sox. And then the only other one that's at all interesting is Matthew Boyd. Which at face value, you're going to be like, wow, the Tigers really messed that up. Because it's like, he's like the guy that they've dangled, like that they're going to trade for years. And it's just never <laughs> happened. And you're like, why would they not tender this guy when he's on ARB3, you know, the last year for arbitration? Well, it's because he's not going to pitch this year. That's why. Yeah. So it's pretty boring. Um, <laughs> there's really, I mean, there's less guys that got non-tendered than there are teams. Only six teams did. Uh, the NL, there's some interesting stuff. Uh, the Braves non-tendered Johan Camargo. I guess they're just giving up on him. And then, no, it's funny. I saw that and I forgot that he was on the Braves. He was (laughs) non existent on this championship run. And by the way, Braves have been silent. They haven't done anything. Yeah. They'll bring back Freeman. That's not surprising, though. I mean, yeah, they're going to bring back Freeman. But the way that Anthopolis has run this thing is like, yeah, we're not going to like overspend and get really aggressive. We're going to find the most cost effective deals. 
that we can that'll put us in contention. So I would expect them. They're gonna bring back Freeman, and then we're they're gonna bring. I think they'll bring back one of those three, potentially two of those three outfielders that they had last year that they picked up at the deadline. I guess there are yeah. four of them, but three of them are free agents. Yeah. Um, the so they did they did bring back Duvall. The Braves did they did they did uh they didn't tender a contract to Richard Richard ugh, Richard Rodriguez, uh, which at first I thought was interesting because he's pretty good, but then I was like they've just made it work with like two relievers all the time, so whatever. <laughs> um, anything other stuff? Brewers non tendering to John Curtis kind of stood out to me made me realize that maybe the Reds aren't the only other team that are trying to cut costs <laughs> in the NL Central. Um, Marlins gave up on Luis Brinson, which was kind of shocking. Pirates gave up on Stephen Brault and Chad Cool and Colin Moran. That's weird. Believe- yeah, I thought they could at least trade them if they're like... They could have. I really think they could have. I mean, it hurt that Brault was injured this past year. I think Brault is either he'll be a good guy that he'll either land on a team as a back end of a rotation type guy, or he could go to a contender and maybe they use him as a reliever. And he has this next kind of chapter of his career where he's a reliever. He was really good in 2020. Yeah, he was. And that's about it. Uh, Padres didn't bring back Strom or Wingenter. They're both relievers. Um, So I, I don't know. That kind of surprised me a little bit there, but other than that, pretty boring as far as that goes. Like Gary Sanchez was like a big one that they thought might not get one. I guess Ian Happ would have been kind of the eye catchy one. There were a few others, and they just didn't happen. Yeah. Oh well, that would have been interesting. But hey, good for them that they have jobs. Jobs. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> good. Boring for us. Good for them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're gonna wrap this thing up. Anything else you wanna you wanna make any predictions here before we get to? We're about at the time of this recording. We're about let's see, six six hours out from the deadline. Don't be surprised if Sunny Gray's a Ranger by the end of the night. Mm. That's about it. Would you be okay with that? Well, that's that's kind of an uh, open ended question. What are we getting <laughs> back? I'm okay with us trading Sunny Gray. One year left, twelve million. Um, I think we can get more value in return because we. I think our rotation. I mean, we'll be a little lighter, but I think we'll be. I think we have enough young people to where I think we'll be okay without him. It's a risk I'm worth taking. Yeah, I think that with him, it's interesting because I think that the Reds were able to get him at a, a discounted value. And yeah, we won came, that deal for sure. Won that deal. He came back to vintage Sonny Gray. He was great the last few years. I mean, he wasn't Cy Young. He won a Cy Young and with the A's. He didn't do that in the National League, but he was, he was a top 15 pitcher in the National League last few years. And yeah, he's a guy that you could definitely... You, you, you bought low on him and you're selling higher on him than when you bought him. Hopefully. And if we keep him, that's all right, too. I'm scared we're going to deal Castillo or Mally, though. That How better do you be f- a haul. It better yeah. be a haul. How do you feel about so the one more thing on the, the Giants, who we didn't really get to today, but they lost Gossman. They are bringing back DeSclafani and Alex Wood. 
it looks and, like and they then get, they brought in Cobb too. Yeah, they brought on Cobb. How do you think? I mean, those are two former Reds pitchers right there. Uh, calling Alex what a former Reds pitcher is kind of <laughs> seven starts worthy. I saw one of those seven live too. Um, I think twelve million or twenty five million over two years for Alex Wood is a bad deal, just yeah, given his track like record and staying healthy. Scalafani, three years over thirty six million. That's a good deal. That's I really deal. like Scalafani. Me too. I like him a lot. Yeah, and they were right to not give Gosman that money. I'll stand by that one. So I think they're doing fine. Uh, and then with Logan Webb, uh, probably gonna need one more guy, but they'll be fine. Maybe they bring back Cueto. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's much left in Cueto, but <laughs> Jeff Samarja. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you if you want to get, you can bring back Cueto, and I'll give you the shimmy shake or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny is on CBS Sports's top fifty free agent rankings. Corey Kluber is 29. He's above I, Steven Matz, Carlos Rodon, Zach Greinke, Corey Knable. Who just signed up? Yeah, Knable just signed, by the way. He's yeah. going to... I'll pull this up real quick. Go to Rosenthal's Twitter. Ken Rosenthal, shout out to him. Always on top of all this stuff. Phillies. They needed bullpen help. They that's a good. Do. That's a really good move. That's They're going to really need more move. than just Knable. They're going to need a few guys. But that's Mark Melanson heading to the Arizona Diamondbacks. I don't know what the Diamondbacks are doing. Has Kluber signed? Yeah, he's going to the Rays. Okay. This is a vintage Rays guy that they're going to pick up. And they're going to sell him at the trade deadline. I, I mean, there's a non-zero chance he becomes a top 10 pitcher again for a year. Half year. And then you yes. trade him. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, Ryan, this was a lot of fun. I know you got places to be. I need to hit the exercise bike here. So I'm going to let you go for now. But would you like people to follow you on Twitter or anything of that nature? Nah, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, though. If you care enough, you can come find me. All right. Well, we'll definitely be having you back sometime to talk some college hoops and potentially some more hot hot stove slash labor stuff. And you're a future law student, so you, you nailed the stuff on the labor case here. Did I? <laughs> That's yeah. not the type of law I want to do. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Great job. Great having Ryan here. If you guys enjoyed today's episode of the show, make sure you guys all subscribe to the Jack Vita show, wherever it is that you guys are getting this podcast, listening, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, log on to my website, jackvita.com. I just released this week's top 25 college football playoff rankings, my own rankings, my own top 25 that I'm doing. And we've got, I wrote a piece on the Braves and how they built their winner and how they did it all through patience. And it was a a seven year rebuild, essentially seven years. They traded off Jason Hayward, a bunch of guys, and it led to a championship seven years down the road. Took a look at all those trades from when they started the rebuild and what they ended up in each of those trades, how they got one piece in each of those trades. 
that helped them win this World Series this past year. So you guys should check that out and follow me on social media at Jack Vita Show, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube.com slash Jack Vita. And we will be back on Sunday for our final college football regular season podcast as we break down the college football playoff field and round up conference championship weekend. A lot of this coaching changes news. And we're also going to have a good episode coming out next week. I'm going to speak with a former casting director from Survivor. Her name is Jody Wincheski. And we'll talk about how to get cast on reality TV. I'm sure she'll have some great stories. So whether you're a fan of those shows or not, you should tune in. Should be a great episode. Jody's also a Christian, so we're going to talk some faith as well in that episode. So until Sunday, guys, take good care of yourselves. I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters.